0: Welcome to the Defiant Spirit Podcast. I am Baruch levi also known as B. I am the creator of the Defiant Spirit and the Defy Your Enneagram Number System. Um, I created this because I am passionate about the Enneagram, which is its really it's an ancient, I don't know, personality roadmap. Um, some people you know, kind of call it a test, but it's just so much more than that. You don't need to take a test, although I do offer one. You, you, what you do need is to know... How you show up in the world, where you go when you're in fear, where you go when you're in faith, or as my teacher mentor Viktor Frankl calls it, reaction and response. I'm also a logotherapist, and so I've brought the, together the world of Viktor Frankl and logotherapy, that's meaning-centered more than therapy. It's meaning-centered living together with the Enneagram because it really shows us, like nothing else I've ever discovered, how we react and how we respond. And at the end of the day, really that's the work that I do in my own life and with the people whom I guide and then this podcast and everywhere else is help people stop reacting to their circumstances and as Frankel says, start becoming responsible, response-able, able to respond to our lives. So today I'd like to talk to you about President's Day. Um, As you're getting this, hopefully it will be out on President's Day. If not, it'll be out shortly thereafter, but I think it should be ready. And regardless, I I like taking these holidays that have lost their meaning, lost their way, and bringing back, I don't know, the purpose, the point, you know, kills me when uh, my kids are off for a day like President's Day. And that simply means that they just sit at home and, you know, do what Kids do, teenagers do, sit on their phones or go to the mall or do stupid things. Like I'm fine with doing stupid things, but um, they just had a weekend of stupid things. <laughs> like do they do they need an extra day in honor of the presidents? And so um, you know we should take back these holidays. I, I wish that they would have class and you know study patriotism, study the you know if you're here in America the history of the United States of America and the role of presidents and different presidents and how about something just as simple as the Enneagram and Presidents, because it's a great way to bring to life what the Enneagram is, and I think understand a little bit deeper dive of of who these, well, men were. But, you know, um, lots of vice presidents or presidential candidates have been women and um, non-presidents, politicians have been presidents. So we're going to try and jump into quite a few of these personalities. If you're watching, you see an Enneagram slide. Um, that's in front of you. If you're listening, I'm happy to get you that slide or it will be up on the website soon. Um, And you can just download it. Just go to the podcast page, scroll down, and I'm putting all of my visuals up there for those of you who are listening. So I'll describe it as we go through it, but here's what you would be looking at if you were looking uh, on YouTube. And that is a picture of all nine Enneagram types with lots of different personalities around the nine types. And this is not a hard science. Some of these um, presidents or politicians or leaders are well known in in their particular type, um, though I don't necessarily know if they took an actual test or if enough people start assessing you and putting you into a type, right? Uh, You start to get a, a consistency. Some of them I just am not sure about. So I like putting them up into a type, so we can talk, you know, have a have a conversation about them, and then make the case and change our minds and move things about as we learn more about them or as we learn more about the enneagram. So, as an example, I, I used to say Bill Clinton was an enneagram nine, the peacemaker, and now pretty sure he's a three. I just go back and forth. That also tells you um, a lot about the types because there are certain types. Where you'll go back and forth, you know, as a professional helping people find their Enneagram type, oftentimes there's just these key mistypes and you'll see patterns. So, not a hard science. I think the process is as much about, I think the process is as important as the outcome. So, how we get to Bill Clinton as a three, and we'll talk that through, is in my experience more important than actually where we place him, where he ends up. And that's true with, you know, the people in my life and, understanding them. Because the Enneagram's power, I think the real power, is it deals in why people do what they do. Myers-Briggs, Strength Finders, so many other great tests out there, in my experience, deal far more with how people do what they do, what they do, who they are, but not necessarily the why. And as Viktor Frankl said, quoting Nietzsche, um, He who has a why to live for can endure anyhow. So you got to know your why, your motivation. And I do think the Enneagram is exceptional in describing motivations, not necessarily the way things look on the surface, but what's going on underneath the surface, what's driving each particular type. Okay, here we go. The Enneagram of the United States Presidents, Um, First Ladies, First Men too, you could put it in there now, um, with these vice presidents um, and senators and some other figures famous figures and I'll bring probably people that just pop into my head along the way okay so let's start with Enneagram number one and there's a lot of number ones on here the reformer sometimes called the perfectionist so up here on this slide I have Michelle Obama I think I spelled it wrong I did Um, But Michelle Obama, Hillary Clinton, Jimmy Carter, Mike Pence, Al Gore, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren. I had to cut it off due to space. Um, So let's talk about who they are. Now, you know, if I was doing also like just leaders in general, because I have a program called Lead 360. If you see the slide, it says at the bottom. Um, And I talk a lot about each one of these individuals in that program. It's for leadership development that I use with businesses. So I have my personal side of the Defiant Spirit, you know, the Defier Number program for just anybody. And then the 360 series, which is for businesses. So I have LEAD 360 and WEALTH 360. And on LEAD 360, um, I use a lot of these as examples. I probably could have brought, if it wasn't just about presidents, um, I could have brought most of the Supreme Court justices, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Thurgood Marshall. And I mean, just most if not all, but certainly most are Enneagram Ones. So Ones are perfectionists. Ones are principle-driven people. Now, it doesn't mean you like their principles, right? You can have Bernie Sanders up here right next to Mike Pence. Very different approaches, worldviews and approaches. Um, Most of the people in the blue up here are Democrats, but I don't think that's a political thing. I just think it's where I grab my information. Um, But you you um, you don't have to agree with their principles. They are bound by their principles. Now sometimes their principles are off. A lot of time extremists will be enneagram ones. Not always, but often because there's a zealousness with it. Remember, everybody has the capacity to react or respond. There's uh, think of the enneagram and each number is sort of a a ladder of consciousness, right? If um, you know, I had an anesthesiologist here, she would tell me about how you're not awake or you're asleep. There's a whole gradation a process of taking somebody under and bringing them back and so the same is true with our Enneagram health you can be very unhealthy or you can be very healthy I like calling it reactive or responsive so you have extremes Gandhi would be on here as a one Mandela probably a one but also um, Osama bin Laden as a one and again lots and probably terrorists and um, you know zealots throughout history who have caused a lot of damage. So it is not a statement. Each Enneagram type has its low side and its high side, its destructive side and its beautiful side. Okay, there's no politics involved with this conversation. I don't do politics, haven't done them in 25 years. Um, Was particularly sensitive sensitive to it as a rabbi in a congregation that was um, complex and I never assume anybody is one thing. We live in America, the spectrum is beautiful. I will be pre- presenting the spectrum of Enneagram personality, not the spectrum of politics. Okay, but what you do see is a unifying element throughout the Enneagram Ones. Um, you know, Bernie Sanders is a good example. He's a fiery, uh, principle-driven individual to the point where I think it's why he, he, he can't win the presidency, and he didn't win the presidency, because there's almost no compromise with his positions. And, you know, with Bernie, you know what you're getting. Like, he doesn't pull punches, he doesn't hide his agenda. And it's true by and large with ones. There is a transparency with the one that is more so than the threes, as we'll get to. Um, and then, look, that can be bad and good. I, I have a lot of ones in my life, and sometimes I wish there was a little less transparency and a little more saying or doing what the situation calls for, right? A little more prudence or a little more, less idealism, more realism. So these are very idealistic individuals and it can uh, morph into a problem, a challenge, certainly, to present their ideas in a way that can be heard. I think one of the reasons why Hillary Clinton did not win um, is because oftentimes, the way people describe Hillary, or or same with um, Elizabeth Warren, it's that they may be right. Again, no politics here. But it's the way they say it that seems to be the the challenge. It's lost in translation. Um, There's just sort of a fire or an idealism that's hard for the masses to really swallow. And you can lose some warmth In that process, when you get so caught up in right and wrong, you know, ones are just, they live in right and wrong, black and white. And, you know, life is mostly shades of gray. I don't know that many things that really are black and white. Um, I get challenged all the time when I was a rabbi on this, you know, but what about the Ten Commandments? They're gray. I mean, there's lots of gray. I don't know exactly what it means to honor your father and mother. Yes, but what happens when there's abuse and you got to get into the nuance of these things. So um, that's one of the growth work areas for ones. I think it's why you see so few one presidents and lots of either vice presidents, because they can play that role um, and have the heavy, the, the president do a little more of the dirty work or the, you know, kind of mudsling or sling it out, you know, like duke it out. And ones have a hard time getting into the arena and um, you know finding a compromise. So it's sort of a zero-sum game. Somebody has to win. Somebody has to lose. And I, I just think you're going to you know Hillary Clinton and Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are up against a lot of that. Now Jimmy Carter is potentially the only one president. I'm not even convinced he was a one. I think there was a lot of two in Carter. Um, a lot of the the helper wanting to sort of be liked, and um, also a lot of the nine, the the peacemaker, build bridges. So I think, and you know, a lot of compassion, now arguably compassion, gets a lot of politicians in trouble, because what seems passion, compassionate in the moment, you know, may later on be proven by the other side to be not compassionate. So I refuse to say that, you know, liberals or Democrats own compassion. It's a it's a it's a different take on compassion. You know, the conservatives I know will say they're more compassionate by having stronger boundaries and borders, and again, not political. But I, I expect us to have a, a nuanced conversation. And so, um, so twos can oftentimes get themselves into trouble with what seems in the moment most compassionate, and over the long term, isn't. And um, you know, Jimmy Carter um, was not the most popular president; only served in one term. I think in, in no small measure because of a lack of pragmatism um, and a lack of sort of proving out that his policies were as compassionate as he believed they were to be. Regardless, if he's a one, he's the only one, at least I could find, that is a president or a modern president. There are many from the past I just know nothing about. I'm you know, embarrassed to say my U.S. history is just not where it should be. So, um, but, I, but I also brought like Michelle Obama because look at – just how overwhelmingly popular she is, and I think in no small measure, because she feels like a moral, sort of unwavering stake in the ground, and people appreciate that. They they may not appreciate it in their presidents, because I think it's hard to be, um, you know, sort of see both sides of the aisle when you put the stake in the ground, but I do think we like it in certain people and positions, again, like the Supreme Court justices and, you know, lots of the legal profession, lots of um, compliance types and finance. Just put the stake in the ground, don't move, and hold the line, because otherwise you can end up in like threes. We'll get there. Okay, moving on. Enneagram twos. Now, this is a really fascinating reality. Although I don't believe there were any U.S. or at least modern U.S. presidents, I think I read Garfield or somebody was, again, I don't know enough to say yes or no, but no modern um, presidents were two. However, most of the first ladies are two and and actually now first men like um, Doug Emhoff. Kamala Harris's husband, I think is a two, but certainly a lot of the first ladies, not all, but a lot. So I don't have a list in front of me. I have on this picture, you can see Nancy Reagan and Laura Bush, Um, definitely Enneagram twos, Um, Barbara Bush, Enneagram two, Joe Biden, Enneagram two, Um, Eleanor Roosevelt, Enneagram two, Lady Bird Johnson. So really a disproportionate amount of twos. And oftentimes it's because twos play a supporting role. They're the helper. They're the nurturer. They're the um, stereotypical mother figure. Although you know that has shifted over time, but I still think, by and large, most people I talk to, when they think of two, they think of sort of a motherly love. Though lots of fathers are twos out there, but um, really that sort of nurturing, supporting presence. Fascinating um, concept that. Well, there are subtypes, as you know from listening to me, and we're not going to get into the subtypes, but the subtypes on the two really make a big difference. The social subtype, so a social two, looks a little more corporate. And when I've been working in corporate settings, I find that most of the twos are social twos, not all, but most. And you know, people I talk to who are stay-at-home moms or dads tend to be self-preservation and sexual twos. And that's because they're more individual-focused versus you know collective. Bottom line, you need twos in your life. Twos are in your corner. Twos are the ones who are there. They don't seek the spotlight, they tend not to. They like pushing others into the spotlight and playing the supporting role. And some of the first ladies have been as influential, maybe even more influential than their husbands. Um, And but pulling the strings from behind, not from out front. So there's a lot of power. To a two. You know, most organizations, the CEO is probably not a two, but the chief administrative person, you know, whoever's coordinating the office might be an office manager, could be um, you know, the assist the assistant to the CEO, could be um, a behind-the-scenes type, probably knows more about the organization and knows more where the bodies are buried than the actual leader. And so it's an interesting question of what is leadership and who's leading. And, and you know, just because you're not necessarily out front doesn't mean you're not leading. Sometimes you're leading from behind, that would be an Enneagram 2. A couple other 2s that I found that I just, I, I think they are 2s, but I don't know enough about them. Sarah Palin felt very 2-ish. Now, 2s are tough, right? And this is a big differentiator between the 9, the Peacemaker, and the 2, the Helper. They can look the same in the surface and this is why you need to know somebody's motivation what drives them. Where they differ is if you're looking at the enneagram see there's a line between 8 and 2. That line really comes out when you screw with a 2, when you mess with his or her tribe, when you mess with mama bear. I was just talking to a woman who um you know just had a newborn and somebody threatened her, you know some homeless guy threatened her and you know wasn't Necessarily serious, but it brought out Mama Bear, and I think she's a nine or a two. But if she's a two, she'll look like an eight, and an eight roars, and eight is tough. So twos could be tough when you put a twos back to the wall, especially around her cubs, especially around her tribe, or his tribe. Um, you can see the toughness of a two, and I think Sarah Palin really sort of shows that. She has this sort of "Don't tread on me" piece to her. Around her family, you saw this when um, you know the media was attacking her daughter and and so forth. So there's a real strength with a two that can come out when back is against the wall. Tulsi Gabbard, I don't know that much about her, but you know I think she's um, been pretty fierce lately. I've heard on social media she left the Democratic Party. She's an independent, I believe, and you know not afraid to take on a fight. That's a big difference between a nine and a two. A two will take on the fight when other people are at risk. Okay. Um moving on to Enneagram 3s, this is, I would say Enneagram 3 is probably has the most presidents or vice presidents in history or, or presidential candidates or key political figures, because you could easily call the three the politician. They are the achiever. And I think more, you know, in a business setting, they are achievers and also in a political setting, but politician at its deepest level to to play the game to effectuate change. You know, you could also call the three the actualiz- that actualizer because they actualize possibility into reality. These are the people who make shit happen. Now, eights make shit happen from a bulldozer sort of energy. Threes finesse. They have that political savvy. You know, two, three, and four, they're all heart types. They're all feeling types. Threes don't look like it. Threes go away from their feelings because their feelings can get in the way of rising to the top of getting their goals met of whatever it is, but there's still a heart type. And that means underneath all of it is feeling. And feeling is, um, it's the sixth sense. It's sort of like a, a knowing of who's around you and what's needed and an image. Two, three, and four are image conscious. If you look at these threes, they're all image conscious, sometimes to their detriment. Because they care more about how it looks or how it's perceived than actually the truth. Threes can get themselves into a lot of trouble when they go down this path of winning at all costs or you know, presenting um, the way it looks on the surface but not the truth underneath. Lots of white-collar criminals are threes. My friend Michael Finer loves when I point this out, he's a three. He's a self president three, so that's sort of a counter type of the three, but he's three nonetheless, so I understand. I'm, I'm stepping on the toes of his people. Um, but threes tend to disproportionately go to prison for white-collar crime. Not my friend Michael, but um, unhealthy reactive threes. And why? Because they start fudging the truth. Threes get into trouble when they fudge the truth. Now, let's look at the start of Bill Clinton, because I had him as a nine, and lots of play. Systems have him as an Enneagram 9, the peacemaker. He's gentle and peaceful, like a peacemaker. He's got that vibe. He brings people together. He sort of unifies. He's got this natural charisma. Nines have that, threes have it too. The differentiator, and I think why I've moved him down to three is the slick willy piece. Is that I, I was listening to a podcast about somebody who was talking to Bill Clinton at a social function. And they said the whole time it felt like he was looking over their shoulder, not at them, almost through them. And he was reading the room and he was trying to figure out, you know, where he needs to be. So most of these folks are social nines. It's a subtype, but they're, I'm sorry, threes, but they're, they're still threes. Anyways, Bill Clinton has that element. You know, he's a winner. But it does feel like, you know, when he started splitting the definition of what is sex with the Monica Lewinsky thing, Right? He's playing with the edges of truth, and he's more interested in surviving and, and winning than um, really getting down to the heart of, of the truth of the matter. So it doesn't mean threes are liars. It just means that they know how to play the game, which is politics. Not coincidental, most politicians or many politicians are threes, because they would naturally gravitate towards that field. You're going to see in a second, there aren't many fours, there aren't many fives. Politics is not a place for four and fives, but threes, yes. So Joe Biden, some say he's a seven, the, the enthusiast, the optimist. Um, I think he's a little too pragmatic to be a seven. I don't think you'll remain in politics that long and weather the storms that he has without being a three. Threes are the most resilient of any type. Joe has... Known his share of loss, or more than his share of loss, many tragedies. He he's a he's a he's a winner. I mean, again, like him or not, he's the president of the United States against all odds over like the course of like 50 years or however long he's been in politics. Um, that's a real three quality: that longevity, that endurance. He gets himself into trouble, I think, um, when he flip flops. Opinions. You know, I was watching, he has one particular stance on, I think it was gay rights, marriage or something, or it was gun rights or something. And then, you know, 20 years ago. Now, it doesn't mean people can't change their minds and make mistakes and grow. And that's not the issue. The issue is there's almost a prudence or an efficiency sometimes when a three changes their mind. And it just felt like at times, I think this is why his popularity is so low that we don't exactly know where he stands because you're asking test market groups what they think. And that's where threes can really get into trouble. doesn't mean they can't defy that. They can. They can have opinions. They can stand their ground. But it's also a superpower in some ways to be able to morph and be a chameleon and do what it takes to succeed. Kamala Harris, too. I think this is one of the challenges with this presidency. And I just wonder how many presidencies have been challenged because um, presidents haven't used the Enneagram to choose their running mate. And I think if they did, they might choose somebody to more complementary. You know, they're very conscious about what state that person represents and the votes that they bring to the table or what, you know, um, ethnicity or gender or all those things, which, you know, strategically are important. But what about the Enneagram type? Like if you knew you were a three, don't choose another three. You need somebody who's more grounded, who's more... Um, you know, a one, a one would be a good choice for a three because ones really are unwavering in their positions. I think Mike Pence served that for for um, Donald Trump. I think Al Gore served that role for Bill Clinton. So I think one of the challenges we're up against right now with this presidency, not by my opinion, not no opinion here, by um, popularity polls. You know, I think it's Kamala. I think is the lowest opinion or popularity rating of any vice president in modern history. I think Joe is pretty close up there. And so partially I think they're they're very similar. They're kind of birds of a feather. You don't exactly know where they stand and and sometimes like I hear when Kamala is speaking, it's almost like she doesn't even know her opinion. She only knows I'm sure she does. She's a brilliant woman. But if you're adapting constantly to the the audience, that can be a problem. You can lose yourself. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Now, there's somebody who knows his opinion, but you know, it's it's an interesting thing to make the transition from um, film, you know, from acting. I, I put air quotes around acting with Schwarzenegger um, to politics, because it's really the same thing, isn't it? Like you're playing a part, and and you can feel that sort of with Schwarzenegger. Um, you can feel that with. You know, Romney, some people say he's a one, and I do get that sort of one earnestness with him. But I also think that nobody fully, it was a little vanilla in his um, approach to uh, when he ran, I forgot, a few years back, and just didn't know where he stood. Really, it's hard to, like, he almost they're just so polished. They're usually attractive, and their external feels like it defines them better than they're internal. It's like I, I can describe what the person person looks like and you know how they perform, but I don't always feel like I know a three. And I think that's a real three challenge because they don't always know themselves. Nancy Pelosi, another good example of a three, a winner, just a survivor, uh, rise to the top. I mean, Pelosi, like her or not, she was incredibly effective at whipping the votes, at getting um, you know, support and unanimity in a way that, um, you know, certainly the Republicans aren't able to do at the moment. And so you really have to respect Pelosi and her ability to, um, you know, to bargain, to navigate life's complexities. Now, threes and ones, are they look alike sometimes at the surface because they're usually both well presented. They both tend to be, you know, conservative-ish in nature because, well, really for threes, it's not a conservative nature. It just depends on their environment, so they adapt. Ones really are conservative with a small c, not politically. Um, but ones are entrenched in a black and white absolute sort of worldview, and threes live in shades of gray. And so you can see a, a big difference between threes and ones. Um, however, they do mistype at first, but it doesn't take me long to unmistype them if that's a, thing, if that's a word. Okay, moving on to the fours. Now, there are n- very few fours in politics, very, very, very few fours. I mean, I really couldn't find any fours except these two. and you can feel a similar vibe with both of them. So Abraham Lincoln is the only four president. Sometimes he's put as a nine because I think he is a sort of a he was a gentle giant of sorts. However, I don't think you can take on and be as uh, take on um, civil rights and and um, you know slavery as he did and also endure the hatred that was thrown at him. I mean, you think, you think Trump is hated? Nothing compared to Lincoln. To obviously to the point where he was murdered. So I don't think you can hold that if you're a peacemaker. I don't think it's in your nature. Four can hold that. Fours are deep. Fours are melancholy. You know, Abraham Lincoln was supposedly troubled his whole life with depression, prone to darkness. And really suffered and struggled and and didn't hide his suffering. In some ways, sort of succumbed to it at times. And, and so, fours—you know—the individualist, the romantic, the artist—there's a depth of personality, of character, of, of just experience with a four. You know when you're in the presence of a four, like my eleven, almost twelve-year-old son Aviv. He's a four, and he's just got this emotional depth. It's staggering to me. I think it's staggering to adults. So. Abraham Lincoln, probably the only four uh, president, maybe even politician. Um, Jackie Kennedy really struck me as a four. You know, I've seen a few videos uh, or interviews with her. And she just, fours tend to be sophisticated, charm, like a three, but a little more mystery. That's it. A little more risque, a little more sort of we don't know what's going going on behind those sunglasses, those Jackie O sunglasses, and that and um, that sort of unique one-of-a-kind thing that fours do. Threes are not one-of-a-kind. They don't want to be one-of-a-kind. They want to be successful. They want to they want to look like, you know, average man, woman, and get to your vote and get to the top. Oh, let's go back to the threes for a second. Like, here's a really troubling three. John Edwards. I mean, guy ran for president. I don't remember if he had a real good shot, but like, just imagine this guy would have been president. I mean, what a slime bag, right? Like, you know, just false, just false, like a false front, good looking, like looks the part. But everything you find out afterwards about mistresses and betrayal of his wife with cancer. And I don't sit around and judge people. But man, when they ask for my vote and then you find out the truth afterwards and like the di- the differential is so far apart. Now, I've been accused of things before, um, you know, putting my views online, one way or the other, Israel, I know lots of people have feelings about that. But you will not you will not meet a single person who says to me, you know, who they are and what they present are worlds apart. And you get into this, um, when you really know somebody, you know, enough people will vouch for them and and tell you, you know, it's just not the truth. We're all accused of all kinds of things. But with John Edwards, like nobody stepped forward and said, hey, this guy's a good guy, he's just misunderstood. Like All the stuff starts coming out and the more of it and the more of it. And I think that's a real tale of somebody who's been trying to prop up a false front and then it just all comes crumbling down. And then you just find out more and more and more. And um, that to me is a real sign of an unhealthy reactive three. Okay, moving on to fives not many fives either. So four and five, if you notice, are at the bottom of the Enneagram. It's, it's the depth of the Enneagram. It's not the bottom. It's the depth. It's the, the deepest of the types. So fours go deep into emotion. Fives tend to go deep into thinking. These are brilliant men and women. Now, it's said that Grant and Hoover and James Madison are fives. I'm going with that. I, I, I could not tell you if that's true or not. But there are no modern fives that I could find. I thought maybe Rand Paul was, obviously not president, but certainly senator. And um, there's a there's a quiet contemplation thinking that comes with uh, being a five. I think that doesn't lend itself to politics. You know, you gotta be probably quicker on your feet, um, just a little speedier, a little more, you know, in the moment, a little less attached to your ideas and more to reality or being pragmatic. Now, five and one can often look a lot alike for this reason. They both are really entrenched in something deep. Fives tend to be more invested in the ideas. Ones tend to be more invested in the principles. But I think there's a lot of reasons why fours and fives aren't represented in politics, and that's um, probably part of it. They both withdraw or retreat into themselves to think it through or feel it through. Okay. Sixes, Enneagram sixes, the loyalist. Um, So the loyalist is, there's quite a few politicians. They're an interesting type because um, Enneagram sixes have the most extreme of subtypes. And there are two general categories for the subtypes. There's phobic, more of a fearful six, and counterphobic, more of an aggressive or counterphobic. They go against their fears. Now, they're still afraid, but they come off as tough guys, tough, tough gals and the the way you can tell them mistyping from an eight, who really are the tougher types, is because it's almost like a cover up. It's almost like they're 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 like one step away from succumbing to the fear. And so instead, they rush into the fire as opposed to sit around dwelling about it. So there's this reactive feeling with a with a six. It doesn't feel like it runs as deep or is as principled as an eight. Okay, loyalists um really care about serving. They care about, the image as well, because that line between six and three is strong, um, but not nearly like a three. So at the end of the day, they care less about how they're seen and more about whether their views and their actions are making them secure and making others secure. You know, sixes are just driven by security and safety and belonging. If they're unhealthy, this can really degenerate into something toxic. you know, you look at like Vladimir Putin, probably a reactive or um, counterphobic six who's just paranoid. You know, KGB is like a, a six unhealthy reactive six institution. Richard Nixon, you can feel sort of that, you know, devolving. like didn't start out this way, but just gets worse and worse. And you know, it's that three thing too, where the lies, the coverups, Um, but coming from a very different place. Whereas threes are really trying to succeed or win, sixes are really trying to protect or trying to uncover or trying to, you know, not necessarily win, but create a successful outcome because it'll make them more more secure uh, and ensure their place within the group. So you have an interesting scenario, I think, with the two Bush presidents. Gw and Hw, so um, the elder bush is much more of a phobic six. Much phobic sixes, you know, are, are more. Um, they're warmer. They're they're a little. They're not threatening. In fact, they sort of go away from that. They look a lot like peacemakers. That's why there's a six and nine line because they'll look a lot more like nines. Whereas I think counter phobic sixes will look a lot more like 9s whereas i think counterphobic 6s will look a lot more like 8s So. H.W. Bush was much more of a peacemaker, much more of a congenial personality, not a real wave maker. You know, he's a vice president. I think in some ways he just assumed um, the presidency because of Ronald Reagan and sort of carried on Reagan's legacy as opposed to paving new uh, paths. So sixes are loyalists. They're not necessarily trailblazers, much more caretaker in that role. Now, GW was much more of piss and vinegar. Um, You know, had much more of a cowboy maverick piece to him, a swagger. Um, You know, we're going after Saddam. No, that was actually H.W. Bush who said Saddam. What did GW say? Or yeah, GW uh, would mock somebody's name. I forget. Osama? I don't know. But, you know, there was that like, you know, taunting piece of of W. Um, You know, People who are more Maverick-like types liked him. People who, um, you know, shoot first, ask later types really liked him. I'm not saying others didn't, but he did have that sort of Texas good old boy thing going. And I think that that in some ways felt a little bit like bravado and false front as opposed to his genuine nature versus like, you know, like a Trump who really is like that. Um, And then you have, I I thought this was interesting because you have sort of the poster child of both the Democratic and the Republican Party of sort of the piss and vinegar next generation types. You have AOC on the the left and you have Marjorie Taylor Greene on the right. So, you know, I'm an equal offender. I brought both of them. And if you're on the left, you'll Dislike one. If you're on the right, you'll dislike the other. And neither party, even the mainstream, the moderates, like (laughs) the fringes all that much, anyways. And so I think AOC really comes from it from this kind of counterphobic fight, you know, thing. And so does Marjorie Taylor Greene. And you can see both of them causing lots of waves, lots of opinions, offending lots of people. Not saying they're not doing good stuff, but that's the counterphobic vibe of the six. It's almost they almost go against. Community, community building, consensus building, which is what sixes normally do. Um, want to build consensus and create a safe, secure community. Okay, moving on to seven. So sevens are pretty unmistakable. Um, not that many presidents, but certainly the ones we've had are—they're visionaries. Look at FDR and the New Deal. Look at look at John F. Kennedy. These are these are men who, and you know. Ben Franklin wasn't a president, of course, but um, certainly a founding father and a visionary and an inventor and, and Thomas Jefferson, although Jefferson's put in nine, he's putting five. I, I don't know enough about Jefferson. I just know that sevens are unmistakable visionaries. They're optimists, they're enthusiasts. They come along at pivotal moments and they're who we need, they're whom we need. Um, to give us a new vision of what's possible. Look at right now in Ukraine. Zelensky is a seven, I believe, and you know, very pivotal moment in time, of course, for Ukraine, maybe the world. And Zelensky has almost single-handedly kept that fight alive. It, certainly his enthusiasm and his optimism at the beginning and his continued sort of vision of winning this war has gone a long ways to encouraging his people and even engaging the rest of the world, the West. So these are you know these are optimists and even if you don't vote for them, you still root for them. Um, that's just the contagion that a seven enthusiast leader has. Okay, eights and nines wrapping it up because there's a lot of politicians and presidents that are eight and nines. Surprisingly with the nines, not so much with the eights. the eights are the challengers, they're the powerhouses. You know they're unmistakable in their energy. They are tough, if not brutal. Lots of dictators have been nines, or sorry, eights. None have been nines. Lots of them have been eights. If you look at some of the most brutal dictators in history, Enneagram eights. But also some of the most influential savior types, like MLK, like um, Churchill, um, and and then you know these politicians. I love John McCain. I just think forget politics as in a human being what the man endured and how he persevered 3s persevere too but it's much more of an achievement drive whereas 8s do it from a justice and if you read anything about McCain it's just justice oriented that's the it's it's that oneish right thing but it's more of a powerhouse um, against all odds in the Hanoi Hilton just stayed alive and and you know inspired others and persevered and just the strength of of character. So Donald Trump, I know I'm probably going to get hammered for this. No politics, but Trump is a an 8 for sure, probably a subtype sexual 8, and there's an intensity. Sexuals intense, 8s are intense, so he's got the double dose of the intensity. Now, that probably can be harnessed for the good. I mean, you know, Martin Luther King, listen to my podcast, was probably a sexual ate, maybe a social ape, but he harnessed it for the better. He was not perfect. Um, Donald Trump had his moments. Donald Trump did some important things as president, but I think he lost his presidency because he lost control of that intensity, of that energy. I think that if he would have stayed off Twitter, he'd have a heck of a better shot of having won the last election. But It's like boundary breaking, and sometimes you need to break boundaries and break down borders and barriers and all that stuff, and other times you're just, you know, doing damage. And so Enneagram 8s tend to, as at a reactive level, do a ton of damage, but at a responsive level do a ton of good. You look at Theodore Roosevelt, Lyndon Johnson. These are, you know, these are powerhouse figures. You look at um, my favorite, who's obviously not a U.S. president, Winston Churchill, just um, a force of nature to go against the, um, you know, the British, um, um, the other politicians, parliament and stand alone in what he believed was truth. And, and, and in retrospect, he was right. How do we know he was right? Because, you know, without Churchill, I may not be here as a Jew in the year 2023, um, because Nazism may have made its way here. It's a terrifying thought. Some say that Churchill was really all that stood, at least for a period of time, between um, Hitler and world conquest. So these are when you want eights on your side to go against injustice and bring to it that power. Not a ton of presidents, but, you know, a few, quite a few, and certainly, you know, vice presidents. Okay, last but not least, this is the enigma of the presidential Enneagram Maybe there's arguably as many nines or more nines than any other type, and it's interesting because the peacemaker, the gentle energy of the enneagram, and yet the people I'm presenting on here—Dwight Eisenhower, Joe Ford, Joe Ford is more nine-ish, but Barack Obama, Ronald Reagan—these are not what you think of as typical nines. You know, nines oftentimes get this image of lethargic, slower, um, conflict-avoidant. Those are pieces of their personality, but you can defy your number, you can defy your personality, you can defy your type, and it isn't true. It's just true in certain areas. Like, I know a lot of nines who are really strong, but they're quiet, and so there. it's an inner strength. I think Obama, why do I have such a hard time spelling Obama? I apologize to the Obamas. I spelled both Obamas wrong. No Freudian nothing there, just carelessness. Um, so Obama uh, does not end with an M or an H. Okay. Um, but nonetheless, a strong figure, like him or not, when, you know, he he made a speech. I don't even ever think I heard him yell. Like Trump, even when he wasn't yelling, it sounded like yelling. And Obama, even when he was yelling, it didn't sound like yelling. That's a nine thing. That's an eight thing. I'm told all the time, why are you yelling? I'm like, I'm not yelling. I'm talking. It's just perceived as the energy is just too much. And Nines, even when they're yelling, it feels almost peaceful, if you will. They have this gentle spirit. Now, it doesn't mean it's not fierce. Um, Reagan, you know, I've watched many speeches by Reagan and it's powerful. It's, it's direct, which goes against, you know, that nine ish indirect thing. It's conflict filled, not conflict avoidant. It's the right time, the right conflict. You know, um, Mr. Gorbachev, bring down this wall right? Kind of a thing. Like that's a fight and he wasn't afraid to have it. Now, lots of people say, you know, Reagan was a great unifier because in person, even if he didn't vote for Reagan, he was charming, likable. Obama, likable. These are likable people. Dwight Eisenhower, general Eisenhower, president, but general. Lots of military folks are, are nines. So don't think for a second that they're weak. Lots of professional athletes are nines. They're powerful. Lots of, you know, kind of big burly biker types are nines. And they can be extremely powerful, but it comes across as a gentle fight. But it's a fight. Strength. Um, Yeah, so that's, you know, 45 minutes. I never want to go past that. Um, That is the Enneagram of the U.S. presidents and vice presidents and first ladies and influential figures. But you get the vibe. It's important both to, you know, know who's leading us, who has led us, where they come from, what motivates them, to understand them, to appreciate them, regardless of who you vote for on this President's Day and every day, right? We should go a little bit deeper and take it a little more seriously. And I think the Enneagram could be a transformational tool both in the way we think about who we're voting for, but also maybe for our politicians to think about who they're bringing onto their ticket, who they're surrounding themselves with, understanding the motivation, understanding the strengths and the weaknesses and how they react and how they respond, I think could change a lot of presidential tickets. So if you are running for president, please give me a shout. I'd be happy to advise you. Pro bono. I'm happy to do it. No politics here, Um, either Republican or Democrat or Libertarians. Um, My my phone is open to you all. So with that, um, jump over to defiantspirit.org where you can Get a free ebook summarizing each of the nine types. Nine types walk into a bar, and this is how they react, and this is how they respond. You can also do the defy your number enneagram system, and that involves a an enneagram assessment. Or if you already know your type, you can just jump in and buy the um, program that relates to your particular core type. So lots of good stuff over there. If you like this podcast, share it with a friend. Help me spread the word, and I will see you or speak to you. In the next podcast. Until then, defy your number and live your spirit. Thank you for listening to the Defiant Spirit podcast with me, your host, Dr. Baruch Halevi. The Defiant Spirit is an offering of Soul Center, a center for spirituality, meaning, and healing. And if you'd like to learn more about the Defiant Spirit or Soul Center, get more inspirational content, access to a variety of online programs, or see how we might work together, to discover deeper meaning in your life, greater purpose for your life, or live the defiant spirit power within your life, visit defiantspirit.org. Until then, keep living your defiant spirit.